What gift could bring us hope in what seems to be hopeless times? What could we receive that would fill the eternal longing in our hearts? What unmerited offering could be given to us that could wipe away our sin and bring salvation to our weary souls? Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is that perfect gift given to us. He brings life to the lifeless. He shines light in the darkest places, and we see the glory of God through him who came full of grace and truth. Out of God's fullness, Jesus came to bring a better gift. All right, Trinity Church, online, on lawn, it is great to see you today. Can we thank God once again for those baptisms? That was so rich. Oh, my word. Amen. Let's go home. That was so good. I just love it. And so you're like, yeah, yeah that's not a bad idea. Um, hey, when it comes to shade today, keep moving. No one will think ill of you, okay? Because I know it's amazing. We realize it is really hot when the sun is out, and it is really cold when it is not. Hence, we've moved our service, our evening service, up an hour to four o'clock because we've been shivering in the evenings. So I know it's warm today. For those of you online, I hope you have wonderful temperatures in your homes, and we're so glad you're joining us as well. We kick off a brand new Christmas series, just like you saw in the bumper video a minute ago, called Fullness. If you have a Bible, you can open it to John chapter 1. If you have our church app, it's going to be super helpful because it not only has... Um, uh, the uh, Bible app that you can cross over to, but it also has notes to kind of track with you. But I want to tell you something. We're going to go completely crazy in this month of December. There are no points and there is no now what? <gasps> can you even preach without such things? Believe it or not. I thought we need a little bit of variety in our lives, so we're going to mix it up a little bit. So John chapter one is where your Bible can open to if you want to get your notes out. Take a look at this slide. We are excited. I'm just preemptively telling you a bit. You heard it earlier today. Christmas is not canceled because of COVID, no, nor is our Christmas Eve services. We will be having them out here. We're going to do a kind of a cool idea outdoors. We'll actually have people, when they come to a service split, one group will start here out on the lawn with some great Christmas carols that we love. The other group's going to start in the east parking lot, and the, each, each group will be there for about half the time, and then partway through, we're going to switch. And so you'll kind of get both experiences, just either one or the beginning, you know, vice versa. And then after the service is over, we plan to have the plaza open when it comes to family photos like we've done before, Christmas jazz on the plaza, and a great scripture kind of walk area over here in front of the ministry center. So I just want to tell you, be paying attention for more details, but we are so excited to get to experience and celebrate Jesus's Advent on Christmas Eve here on the campus outdoors. For those of you watching online, we will have an online version uh, prepared as well. So we'll be excited to be able to share that with you either way, but look forward to that. We'll give you more details in e-news this week and in the coming weeks, looking forward to it. But Christmas Eve, we're so excited to have the services with you. Well, this is what I was thinking about as we begin today. I'm going to move my podium more into the shade so my iPad does not um, 
uh, burn up. That's what happens when you leave an iPad in the sun. Um, I was thinking about Christmas gifts that were popular a year ago. Take a look at the screen if you can see. Uh, anyone know what those are? AirPods, right? AirPods were a big deal last Christmas. Take a look at the next slide. Um, this was the Instapot craze, kind of began this time last year for many of us. We got on board. This next one, I think my daughter has a version of this, a gravity blanket, right? Just this he the heaviest blanket on the planet that somehow makes you feel good. I'm not sure. I think it just kind of makes your lungs feel compressed. But these were all hot gifts. I even did some internet research to double check that I wasn't just thinking of what happened in my family, but this was a big deal for people last year. Christmas gifts, top three gifts in 2020. Take a look. Charmin toilet paper, right? Going big this year. Look at number two designer face masks, okay? So you don't just have something of just one color, that baby blue or just black, you get all kinds of good looks. And the third biggest gift, the fastest internet provider you can find, okay? So 2020 is a different year. You didn't need me to tell you that. I read USA Today, they almost every single day have a, a little section that says 2020 is changing our lives. There's no greater um, uh, misrepresentation of the truth not just a little, like a lot. And so we thought it would make sense to do a Christmas series that was a little different as well, since we have such a different year. And our hope is this, is that as we look together in the, in the Gospel of John, we're going to look throughout the first 18 verses over the next three weeks. And as we do that together, our goal is to really become face-to-face -face with this Jesus who came to bring us a better gift. And it comes right out of the text, grace in place of grace already given. And that's what we're going to look at. So over the course of this month, as we look at Jesus's incarnation, his taking on of humanity, we're going to see it through a fresh lens. And we're going to see that out of his fullness, we can be filled anew. Out of his fullness, we can be filled anew as we see the ways that he has made the Father known to us. So think of it this way. If we would be doing what often we do at church and we talk about Christmas, if we were looking at the Advent through the lens of the book of Matthew or the book of Luke, we would see pictures like these, right? This manger scene. Take a look at the next one, this great picture. This is one of the, the great movie. Oh, oh, I skipped it, so that's fine. I'll get to that one in a second. But go back to the manger if you guys would. You guys are doing great, by the way. That was my fault. But in this manger scene, what you would expect, some of you have, my wife loves to collect manger scenes. They're all over our home in all kinds of different ways. The fishers have been great. They brought us some from the continent of Africa. So we have some really cool eclectic versions of this uh, first advent of Christ. The book of Mark doesn't even talk about Jesus's birth. It goes right to that second slide. This is a Renaissance picture of the, uh, John the Baptist. And so as John the baptizer, he just comes on the scene and starts announcing Jesus is the Lamb of God. But if we were to try to show visually a picture of how the gospel of John demonstrates Jesus's arrival, it would look more like this. Just this cosmic idea because what we're going to see today is that in the book of John, John explains Jesus as the Word. The Word who was with God and the Word who was God. So imagine it this way. Imagine that you're hearing the, this first few verses from the book of John from your grandfather. And a grandfather who hasn't forgotten anything, right? We know sometimes granddads can. But this grandfather hasn't forgotten a thing because this grandfather is John himself. 
You see, John wrote this gospel late in his life. He lived to somewhere between 85 to 90 years old. So later in his life, and he put this to paper after the other three gospels. We often call them the synoptics because they overlap in so many ways, which is powerful because we realize that one author isn't contradicting another. Three proofs of the same types of things that Jesus did and said. But then John, after all those gospel accounts are out there later in life, John takes up the account to provide us a whole new trove of narratives and teachings and miracles that Jesus did, mostly all related to him interacting with people in the the amazing love he came to bring. So John unearths all these things that were out there that he was an eyewitness to, but that hadn't been written down yet. And that's kind of what you have in front of you in the Gospel of John. We're introduced to Jesus in such a far different way as the Word and His role in creation that we're going to see today in this idea that He was the source of all life. So rather than starting from what we seem to think would be the beginning, Jesus born in Bethlehem, Uh, we actually see that John goes all the way back to the beginning when God was speaking everything in emotion. Your Bibles are open. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The phrase in the beginning, those three words in sequence in your English Bible only appear four times. Genesis chapter 1, Psalm 102, here in John 1, and in Hebrews 1. And every single time we see that phrase in the Bible, it always relates, it always is talking about God speaking creation into existence. It's always talking about the same beginning. So this phrase is here used in John 1. There's no mistaking what John's alluding to. He's talking about at creation. Matthew's gospel traces Jesus's lineage all the way back to Abraham. And Luke's gospel traces it all the way back to Adam. But John goes further back even than that. Before there was anything created, Jesus was the word and Jesus was there. So how is this speaking accomplished through the word? The Greek word logos is the word that's used here. It has to do with how someone reveals oneself to others, self-disclosure. That's what this word logos means. And it's the idea that words convey thoughts and ideas and feelings and emotions. Though we might prefer just to read each other's thoughts, but then I'm thinking, I'm not totally sure that we would want that. But even if we did, that highest level maybe of knowledge, the reality is what we're left with is words. Words to be able to convey those things, both pronounced and printed. D.A. Carson put it this way, in short, God's word in the Old Testament is his powerful self-expression in creation, revelation, and salvation. And the personification of that word makes it suitable for John to apply it as a title to God's ultimate self-disclosure, the person of his own son. So I want you to think about this for a moment today. What is the best way to disclose yourself to one another? Think of the different mediums and modes that we have. Text message, Absolutely not. It's horrific, okay? That's why we don't send meaningful things and feelings in a text message. It always goes bad. 
What about kind of our more recent thing, the idea of a Zoom call, right? Zoom call, the best way to represent uh, yourself to someone else? We're finding absolutely not. We're so sick and tired of looking at each other through a screen and we realize it's not the same and we know it. Think about this, before uh, COVID, we just had, my family had an opportunity to get on the new Star Wars ride at Disneyland a couple times and there was a hologram a hologram of the Star Wars character Ray on the right. I'm not spoiling it if you didn't get to go there and if you're really mad at me right now and jealous that you didn't get to go before everything shut down, let's talk afterwards, okay? But for now, what about that? What about a hologram where you could represent yourself to someone else? Eh, still falls short. Or maybe this, maybe send a representative. Send someone to go for you, but wives that are here today know absolutely that is not going to work. My wife can't send meat out for fast food without getting the order wrong when I'm telling it to the person I'm trying to buy it from to bring it home. The representative thing falls short often. So what's the best way to disclose or reveal yourself to someone else? Go in person. And I want you to hear very clearly today, that's what the God of all creation does in the person of Jesus. He goes himself. The second member of the triune Godhead came to us so that he could reveal God to us the very best way possible. One of my favorite scriptural references talking about Jesus as the word actually is not even about his first arrival, but it's actually in reference to his second. It's one of my all-time favorite passages because even though I'm so grateful that Jesus came initially as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, Revelation chapter 19 tells us he's going to come back as the Lion of Judah, and he's going to come back and he's going to rule. This is what it says, Revelation 19:11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Listen to this sentence. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You need to know that this same Jesus who arrived in all the frailty of a human baby is not coming back a second time like that. He's coming back to rule and to reign. And when you hear this passage and you have put your faith and trust in him, like you've heard today, from these three who shared their testimony so just eloquently with us. Thanks, you guys. It was awesome. When you are on that side of that relationship, that brings you just great confidence and, and anticipation. But I want to say today this, if you've not yet put your faith in Jesus, and I just read those words about the word of God, those aren't, that isn't good news for you. And I want to encourage you today, don't let another day go by. You have heard people today in, in all of the stories is a degree of, I wish I would have done this sooner. I'm so grateful for how God has reached out to me and demonstrated the gospel, but it is so good and I want to live this way every day moving forward. 
I'd encourage you, don't let another day go by. So now that we know that the use, when John uses the word, the word, the phrase, the word in John 1, he's talking about Jesus. So if you can see the screen or if you're looking in your notes, I want you to read that out loud with me. Let's insert Jesus's name where John originally had put, quote, the word. And let's reread that passage. Read it with me. Let's one, two, three. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So this word Jesus was with God and and was God at the beginning, that word with in the original language of the New Testament indicates both equality as well as of a distinction of identity. So the phrase can be also understood as was face to face with. Jesus was face to face with God. This speaks to the fact that Jesus was not part of the creation as we'll see, but he pre-existed before it. And this additional phrase is so powerful. The word was God. I just need you to hear it again today. The Bible does not create a category for Jesus to be just a really great rabbi. The Bible does not create a place for Jesus to be just another in the long line of prophets or priests. Because everyone who came in those ways before Jesus would have never received this kind of adulation. That he is being likened and called as one with God. None of they would say, whoa, 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 I'm just a human being like you. Jesus never flips that back and in some kind of false humility says, oh, no, no, Jesus always receives that because that is who he is. The word was with God and the word was God. I want you to think about our tagline for this series. The first day we've kicked it off and we just said it a minute ago, Jesus came to bring a better gift. Jesus, we've just discovered the giver is God himself. So that's huge as we talk about it. And I want you to think about this. Take a look at this picture. So I want you to think about what comes to mind. It's maybe hard to see in the light, but I'll describe. On your uh, left is kind of a brown paper bag and just kind of has um, some uh, kind of uh, uh, string tying it together. That's a gift under the tree from your brother. And I'm not saying brothers don't know how to wrap nice. I'm just saying that's from your brother. The gift next to it is much more ornate silver glittery bows. And that's from Bill Gates. One gift, the gift on the left from your brother, might have a sense of connection to you. He might know you well and and, and know how to give a thoughtful gift. But the other gift represents a gift given from the resources of Bill Gates. Simple question, those two gifts under your tree on Christmas Day, which one are you most excited to open? Sorry, my brother's name is John. Sorry, John, I'm picking Bill. Now, here's the wild thing. What John 1 is telling us is that Jesus came to bring a better gift, even a better gift if Bill Gates is your brother. Because the intimate knowledge of who you are combined with the familial love and that on top of it from the God whose resources doesn't even flinch to give Bill Gates what he's given him. This is the giver of the gift. This is the one who came to bring a better gift. And because we understand that he is God himself, we know that there is nothing 
outside of his limitation or reach to be able to give to us. Look in your notes. This is the only blank I have for you today. When we realize who the giver is, it makes the gift all the more significant. When we realize who the giver is, it makes the gift all the more significant. Verse 2 is repetitious with intent. The word was there at the beginning. Look at verse 3. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. This verse communicates that the second member of the Trinity had an actual role in creation. Wasn't just there observing, but was actively involved. Through him, he was the conduit, the, cha- the channel by which creation was formed and derived. And the fact that nothing exists, think about this, nothing exists that doesn't bear the mark of his handiwork. Doesn't bear the mark of his creativity and power and wisdom. It's a powerful thing to consider the Christmas story through this lens. Not only would the creator create such an incredible, whole, vast universe, but not only would he enter into it in its perfect state as it was created, but he waited until it became fallen and broken, bent on destruction. That's the created order that Jesus arrives into 2,000 years ago. I told you I've been in a Bible reading group that I'm hosting on Zoom every Thursday. We've had a great time. And when we first kicked it off with this group that we get to Zoom in together, as we're doing it, the very first week I reminded them, we looked at Genesis 1, and I reminded them of this great passage from C.S. Lewis's book, The Magician's Nephew, a prequel to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And in it, you see Aslan literally singing creation into being. Here's a few excerpts. I know you will appreciate this. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice begun to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory, he's the nephew, uh, found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath them. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune, but it was beyond comparison the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it. Then two wonders happened at the same moment. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices, more voices than you could possibly count. They were in harmony with it, but far higher up in the scale, cold, tingly, silvery voices. The second wonder was that the blackness uh, overhead all at once was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently one by one as they do on a summer evening. One moment, there was nothing. I'm sorry, one moment, there had been nothing but darkness. Next moment, a thousand, thousand points of light leaked out. Single stars, constellations, and planets, brighter and bigger than any in our world. There were no clouds. The new stars and the new voices began at exactly the same time. If you had seen or heard it, as Diggory did, you would have felt quite certain that it was the stars themselves who were singing and that it was the first voice, capital F, capital V, the deep one, which had made them appear and made them sing. Far away down near the horizon, the sky began to turn gray. A light wind, very fresh, began to stir. The sky in that one place grew slowly and steadily paler. You could see shapes of hills standing up in darkness against it. All the time, the voice went on singing. The eastern sky changed from white to pink to pink to gold. 
The voice rose and rose till all the air was shaking with it. And just as it swelled to the mightiest and most glorious sound it had yet pronounced, the sun arose. The earth was of many colors. They were fresh, hot, and vivid. They made you feel excited until you saw the singer, capital S, the singer himself. And then you forgot everything else. It was a lion, huge, shaggy, and bright. It stood facing the risen sun. Its mouth was wide open in song. I get goosebumps every time I read that account because it brings something into the creation account that just helps me see the creative power and the beauty and the majesty of what God must have enjoyed as he was maybe singing creation into existence. I want you to know it's not only John who says that Jesus was a part and, and instrumental in the created order. Paul says as much in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And listen to this last verse, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The author of Hebrews makes a similar statement, Hebrews 1.1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Like we just said, what are the other ways you could disclose yourself to someone? God had already done all those things. Verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Finally today, verse four, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. It's powerful in just the first few verses of John 1, John, the author, introduces all kinds of big themes that are going to carry their way all through his gospel account. And in it, he introduces two words to us right here, light and life. Look at this from John eleven twenty-five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And watch these two these words in the same phrase, but will have the light of life. It's important for John to identify to his readers that all life for all living things emanates from Jesus. He's the source by which we receive and enjoy life itself. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about this, that for every single, not only every creature, but every human being, whether they believe in the truth of what we're seeing today about Jesus, the word of God, whether they believe that or not, they owe the very breath in their lungs, the very beating heart in their chest to the one who's the giver of all life. He's the source. Nothing lives apart from him. That is powerful to think about, and it's gracious to think about that this same Jesus doesn't only give life to those who have responded to his gospel and believe him to be the Son of God, but even for those who refuse, he gives them life nonetheless. 
There's a great word study I came across. Listen to this quote. All life throughout the universe is derived. It means it always and only comes from and is sustained by God's self-existent life. The Lord intimately shares his gift of life with people, creating each of his, each in his image, which gives all the capacity to know his eternal life. And as we're seeing so much today about the claims of Jesus's deity, later in the same gospel, Jesus himself makes such a claim about this concept of life. From John 5, 26, as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. John says that this life was the light of all mankind. I want to encourage you every week, we're going to finish giving a teaser into the next week. Today, Jesus is full of life. Next week, Jesus is full of light. So come back and we'll take the next step in that sequence. So I want you to see this. As we begin this series today, it's not so much that we're brought in contact yet with the better gift. We're simply brought in contact with the best giver. That's what John 1, 1 through 4 bubbles to the top. We become more aware of the giver himself, that he was there at the beginning with God and was God. The creative force that spoke or maybe sung the creation into existence. We walk away today with this deep admiration and awe in this God. This creator was willing to enter his creation for the purpose of revealing the Father to us as well as ultimately putting himself in a position to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. One last time, when we realize who the giver is, it makes the gift all the more significant. Let me pray. Father, we come before you today with hearts that are filled. We're so grateful for the worship team just lifting up your name through this mode of Christmas song and carol that just causes us to be preoccupied with who you are. We're so grateful for the opportunity to join financially and prayerfully for these different um, projects through Advent Conspiracy. God, we are so grateful. God, for these who've gotten baptized today, who have just simply said, for Cameron, for Gina, for Sam, who've said, Jesus, I owe everything to you and I want to publicly proclaim, I want everyone to know that you indeed are the focal point of my life. I'm following you. God, what a rich way to start this month of December. And as we look at this text, God, we see today that indeed Jesus is full of life. Father, I know in light of that, there are so many that are struggling with life right now. 2020 is no joke. It has brought us to deep senses of loss, disappointment, frustration, anger, at times hopelessness. But we wanna say thank you that from the very beginning today, we see that you, God himself, entered into the fray, entered into a totally upside down world, uh, an Israel that was ruled by Rome. His own parents couldn't even find some decent place to give birth, but went to a barn. God, you have this amazing way of relating to us in the midst of our brokenness. 
because you have been there and you have done that. So we are uniquely and deeply grateful for Emmanuel, for God with us, for those who are broken and hurting today. My prayer would be that they would experience, as we see later in the book of John, I came to bring them life and life to the full. God, would that be just this renewed perspective, this renewed reality in lives today? And for those who have not yet put their faith in you, God, would you be stirring? Would you be doing a work that bubbles to the top their ability, their recognition, their readiness to respond to the gospel? And you can do that today by A, admitting that you're a sinner who needs a savior. B, believing that Jesus is the only savior available. And C, choosing. Choosing to put your faith, your confidence, your trust in what he did for you at the cross and the empty tomb rather than what you can do for him. So Father, would you begin this Advent season powerfully among us as it bubbles up great gratitude for this God that you are, a God who came to bring us fullness. We love you and we pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen.